and we're back at it. I'm Gurvir Bra. I'm here with Chamont Sandu, and we are Screen Off Script. This week, we're getting into the season and potentially series finale of WandaVision, reflecting on the entire series and all the major movie and TV news items of the week. Folks, it's showtime. But I don't need you to tell me who I am. You don't know what you've done. Alright, in our first segment, we're talking spoilers for episode 9 of WandaVision titled The Series Finale and the entire season. If you want to skip around, we got timestamps in the description and don't forget to subscribe. Jumlet, let's get into the finale. First and foremost, uh, the director said a lot of people will be disappointed by the finale because of their fan theories. What did you think of the episode? Well, look, let's just uh, talk about the elephant in the room. We did promise everybody that we were going to do an instant reaction episode as soon as the episode dropped on Friday morning. We both watched the episode mm-hmm. and we made an audible. We, call, we called an audible and we decided it would be better to sit on it um, and do our regular show. Uh, and process what we really just watched. Yeah, exactly. I think the big thing is I, I didn't want to just be contributing to the complaining yeah. that was going on in that moment. Yeah. I just didn't feel like it was like, I, I don't know, I don't like to have that kind of toxic mindset. Yeah. And I don't feel like I want to project that constantly about a show I actually really like. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I feel like we made the right call because since then I've now watched it a third time. The, the not only the the season finale, but I actually ended up going back uh, home on Friday and watching episodes eight and nine back to back with my wife because she hadn't seen it, and so I've actually got a much greater appreciation a for the finale and also for the series as a whole today recording this show with you than I perhaps did on the initial viewing, and I think a lot of that has to do with expectation, fan theories, and I think this has been a great case study. WandaVision has been a great example of how, I guess, not the hardcore fans, the hardcore comic book fans who are always going to theorize about absolutely everything all the time. There is no stopping them whatsoever from going on social media and nitpicking absolutely everything. But I think from people that have really enjoyed the MCU and they are really enjoying what we're getting with the movies, but now also with the TV shows, I think this has been a great case study to to manage expectations, yeah. to to understand what's really going on with these shows, what they are there for, what they are leading to. Um, and I think as long as you can do that moving forward, these shows, especially with Loki and Falcon and Winter Soldier coming around the corner, you'll be able to enjoy them better, just lowering your expectations in terms of what they're trying to achieve here and you know not getting too hyped up with what you want to get out of these yeah shows. i think also contextually it's kind of different because this is like the first marvel offering in this format but also during covid right it's a very unique time where people are home they're sitting there they got nothing to do so what are we doing we're just speculating yeah. on this show on a weekly basis and if you give us nothing but time and one hour of tv to think about for an entire week we're going to come up with some crazy shit yeah and it really did it changed how I think people would have perceived the show had it been released in a different format or released at a different time or uh, in different circumstances. I think it's just, it, it, there's a lot of stuff that kind of went into how we have viewed this weekend. Um, I think the big thing, I, I'll like, present a few of my reviews and a few rhetorical questions, right? I just prepared this, right? So generally, I like this episode. 
did it have great action? Yes. Did it have action that weighed heavier than the emotional stakes and the payoffs in the end? Yes. Did we get every cameo we wanted? No. Are we going to get every cameo we want under the sun from Spider-Man? And people are still going to complain about it. Yes. All right? <laughs> yeah. That's going to 100% happen. So overall, was this a great episode of the show? 100%. And are people justified in not liking it? 100%. Because like I said on our last show, this finale had to be so good that people had to not care that there wasn't some sort of massive reveal. Right? That's what Marvel really had to overcome. And I don't think it quite reached those expectations. But I think no matter how you slice it, People, you know, I might be disappointed. Some people might be disappointed. But I think at the end of the day, if the episode was as good as we all hoped it would have been, or if it was just, even if it was just an amazing episode, I don't think people would be complaining as hard. So, yes, I do want to give it a pass and be like, yes, it was a really good episode of TV, but it still didn't reach our expectations. So at the same time, I think it's reasonable to be critical and to say like, you and we didn't get what we were hoping to be delivered for. But that's my spiel. <laughs> Look, like I think there's a few things that perhaps Marvel and Disney brought on themselves with WandaVision. The first being the casting of Evan Peters as Quicksilver. Agnes doesn't live here. You do. You're Ralph Boner? Boner. <laughs> The minute that happened, everyone's speculating like yeah. crazy about the multiverse and what it means. And, and ultimately, as we found out in this episode, his name is Ralph Boner. He's just another resident of Westview in New Jersey. There was no payoff with his character whatsoever, really and truly. Yeah. And it was ultimately just the biggest troll job. At the end of the day, like, if I'm being honest, this was the most disappointing part of the episode. Right. The entire season, we've been talking, who's Ralph? Who's Ralph? Who's Ralph? And for Ralph to be paid off, and also Pietro, the t- two of the biggest X-Factors, arguably, in the entire show. What are we going to get from them? A boner joke. Yeah. And I love a good boner joke, all right? <laughs> I, I, I'm a fan. But what the fuck is this? Yeah. So I think that, hey, that's the first thing. They brought, they brought that on themselves. Any backlash that fans and people that watch the MCU have because of that particular character mm-hmm. and the lack of a payoff in terms of what he actually meant in WandaVision... They brought that on themselves. They can only blame themselves for anything on that side of things. I also feel like, though, with Paul Bettany, and again, we spoke about this, you know, after the show last week when we were having our initial discussion talking about the show. I feel like maybe Disney and Marvel need to speak to their actors a little bit in terms of their sound bites, their interviews. What are they actually saying? Because the minute he said there was an actor that he's been dying to work with, those are the little things that really penetrate the, the, the community you and get people hyped up for this kind of stuff. On the other side of that, you and me, as much as we read dirt sheets and backstage stuff, we know how, if this is something that he's saying on an interview over and over and over, this is probably something he discussed with Disney. Right. And I wouldn't be surprised if something that they gave the okay to. Yeah. To, you know what, go ahead, tease it. It's fun. It's going to subvert some sort of expectation. Sure. Here's a good troll job. Get the actors from Spider-Man to do a false reveal of the Spider-Man title. Mm-hmm. That's fun. That works on social media. Everyone's in on the joke and everyone's making memes and things about it. But... To put us a, a situation like Paul Bettany in multiple interviews, dropping a line like that, where you're already so hyped up about the finale of One Division, and you have all these other theories and things like that. Again, I kind of go back to okay, you know what? We had a lot of expectations going into this finale, and you know, cameos and payoffs and what this means for the future, and we got 
some answers and we got we didn't get some answers and there were things yeah. that we were ex- perhaps mentally preparing to expect and we didn't get those but i think ultimately long term this is a good thing because it means we can temper our expectations going into future shows and just enjoy them for what they are because i think ultimately shows like one division loki and falcon and winter soldier yes they are taking some of the big characters from the mcu but they're going to be telling stories that you just can't tell in the movies yeah. and you've got like over a season like this you've got between what, four to five hours of storytelling storytelling available to you where like we've spoken about this in previous weeks the chemistry the acting and the scenes between Wanda and Vision both in the present in this new incarnation of Vision but also the flashback scenes were some of the most powerful scenes available they introduced new characters like I think Hayward was a bit of a hit and miss of a villainous character overall in my opinion but Agatha Harkness amazing villain that we know is going to be around the MCU moving forward and at the same time they were able to introduce some of the smaller lesser known characters like Wanda and Vision's kids Wiccan and Speed who you know obviously we'll get into uh, in terms of a post fight credit a post uh, scene credit knows that they're going to be around in some capacity in the future as well so I think there's so much to enjoy and so much to like and so much to be happy about that it's easy to focus on on the nitty gritty and I think that's why we decided to pause reflect rewatch it and then do our weekly show versus doing an instant reaction episode I agree 100% there are a lot of things we can be nitpicky about for this show and for this episode but at the end of the day we got so many great things throughout this series and, and, and let's just break it down like if we just talk about Elizabeth Olsen's performance right let's talk about the series just this episode I loved everything that she did go through because at the end of the day, if we are talking about the series, we she did go through, you know, that uh, the five stages of grief. She went from being depressed to ha- having acceptance in the end. You know, I did call it, and it was Gervier all along. No <laughs> but uh, I, I think at the end of the day, what she really did is she made me care so much about a character I never would have cared about. And if they did do a, a huge payoff at the end of this episode, then we wouldn't care about what she's going to do going forward. You know what I mean? Like that, that, it would be like almost like she's opening chaos magic or she introduces mutants. All right, cool. She did all that. And now what? What's going on with Wanda now? Right? At the end of the day, now what they've really done is set her up for a, essentially like a huge payoff way down the line. Because when that Avengers movie does happen, you know she's going to be the focal point of it. The perfect foil that is the opposite of what we got before. When we got so much of Thanos just wanting order in the galaxy and wanting order in the multiverse perfectly balanced as all things should be what now we're about to get is chaos we're about to get the exact opposite and it's and it's a great twist because it's going to be a villain from within exactly it's like this is someone that we care about we we we, we love as, as a as a story and she's got these incredible relationships with the other characters in the mcu the other avengers vision she's got kids and Again, we're speculating right now, but if she ends up being the big bad as a part of Phase Four, that's going to be wild because then you're then you're completely away from the external Thanos character coming in, and yeah. and again, she, she may open the doors to some other villains that we haven't really yeah. been introduced to as of yet. But having just that villain from within, it's like a, a pro wrestling heel turn from like a faction or something exactly. like that. Exactly, and it's great because at the end of the day, like this, if you looked at Wanda and you're like, hey, so this character has been basically took over mind controlled all these just like regular people right she just took over them and made them feel like grief 
and were miserable and they were away from their families and all that kind of stuff. If I told you that was Kingpin from Sp- uh, Into the Spider-Verse, yep. and he just wants his family back, that's the exact storyline we got from there. And we're about like we're basically getting that from somebody we love, so it's a completely different perspective where this is regular villain behavior. We're just not recognizing it the same way because we empathize with this character. Absolutely. It's a beautiful thing that they really flipped on us and they made us, now we're the assholes for loving this terrible person. Yeah. Um, but the other person I really want to talk about is Paul Bettany. Mm. Sure, he fucked up a little bit, but the the things he did in this series were just fantastic. And if we're just talking about the vision versus vision scenes that we got from this episode... Man, like, I think that was one of my favorite things from this entire series. Like, yeah. I didn't expect to actually enjoy that because it was going to be two robots basically just talking to each other. Yeah. And then all of a sudden we have these amazing use of, like, these very unique powers. Like, the phasing ability, you know, it's fine and it's cool for, like, a little sequence here and there, a little joke here and there. But this is what we saw to its full potential. And it was amazing. And on top of that, when they had that debate talking about identity metaphysics and... Uh, what was it? The ship of Theseus. Like that's an amazing conversation to have, For sure. and that made like the, the not only the character depth but the lore of WandaVision and and Vision in general just so much stronger. Yep. it just adds so much to the show. Yeah, and one of the unanswered questions we have right now is where does White Vision go from here? Because he has essentially been reprogrammed by Sword, but he has the physical embodiment of the old Vision, and now I guess. <laughs> no pun intended he has had a vision of the past yeah. because hex vision shows him the relationship that he's had with wanda from basically the... transfers his data yeah so him. it's kind of weird like we don't know where, where he's gone we don't know what he's gonna do we don't know what he how he feels and what his attachment is to wanda and the past it's it's fascinating and but i'm glad that we know that in one way, shape, or form, the Vision character, in whatever incarnation it is, is going to be around. And it's interesting for Paul Bettany as an actor to actually take that character to another, another, another level as well. And the crazy thing uh, for Paul Bettany is he went from thinking he was going to be done with Hollywood. And now, not only is he a prominent figure in the MCU, now he's two prominent figures in the MCU, where he gets to play two completely different versions of the same character. But I think one thing we should definitely talk about, just this episode, where Agatha kind of left a few Easter eggs, mm. just to set us up for the future. We had a huge, two huge quotes. One was, you have no idea what you've unleashed, where we're not 100% sure where that's going. And then now we've gotten the book, The Darkhold, Right, and, and in, in the comics, it's created by the elder god Cthone, Right, which I just want to make a side note. If they do introduce a character that has these exact same characteristics in the show, I pray they never call him Cthone, because that's the nerdiest fucking name. <laughs> that's like the dumbest fucking name in the world. I hope they never use that. Uh, but Cthone is the god of chaos. If they do introduce somebody like that, there's a chapter in the book uh, about the Scarlet Witch, at the end of the day, this is like kind of like a character similar like Dormammu, like they introduced in the original Doctor Strange. Right. Dormammu, I've come to bargain. It makes sense to introduce him in the new Doctor Strange. Uh, he really fits that whole idea when she hears her kids at the end while she's studying, you know, help me. They're calling out for that. And apparently where she is, is uh, where Cthone actually wrote the Darkhold. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, look... This is why I'm kind of glad in a, in a way that I didn't grow up reading the comics. Like my experience with these characters stemmed from the, car- the cartoons when I was mm-hmm. growing up as a kid 
and it's the movies and now obviously with the TV show and that's my experience with these characters right so I have no idea about Cthone I have no idea about his background his powers and his backstory and how he ties into everything else right yeah. for me I think some of the biggest takeaways again from what Agatha said was you don't know what you've done right yeah so you know immediately I thought oh, has she unleashed this chaos magic right much like how you know Monica Rambeau went through the hex and became you know uh, she, she obviously got powers does that mean has she activated mutants that was my first kind of thinking right and then when you talk about the book the Darkhold and you see the kind of astral projection which we've seen in Doctor Strange we, we saw that with um, Bruce Banner and the Hulk in Endgame so I'm like all right now when we see the Scarlet Witch and Wanda in the next movie she's going to be the all-powerful like mm-hmm. right now she's kind of making her tea enjoying her the view of the you know in the, in the mountains by the lake right and at the same time her astral projection in the background is just studying like crazy very much like dr strange because dr strange um you know becomes uh the sorcerer supreme and then all of a sudden one by the time we get to avengers infinity war if infinity war this guy is a very powerful person in the mcu because he's learned so quickly by reading all these books so that's what Wanda's doing at the moment, you know, with this kind of astral projection. Um, yeah, I, I'm interested and I'm looking forward to it. And again, like I said, I'm kind of glad that I don't really know too much about the background and I'm just going to accept what the MCU gives me. And I, I think generally moving forward, like, um, it's always fun to, like, talk about fan theories because it's kind of a double-edged sword. Yeah. It's fun to talk about them and it's fun to speculate. But at the same time, you are building yourself up for failure. You're building yourself up to be let down ultimately if those don't come true. So maybe there's a, a different or a better way that we can do it. We or we just it leave out. it alone. Yeah, we <laughs> gotta figure it out. Because at the end of the day, like I've noticed whenever we do over-speculate on fan theories, it ends up being a disappointment mm. 90% of the time. And I agree with you. I think it's interesting to be able to theorize about a show and, and a bunch of characters on a weekly basis for eight or nine weeks can really hit you it's a different thing to okay we are in march of 2021 let's theorize about what we think might happen in the next spider-man movie or the multiverse of madness guess what by the time spider-man 3 drops in december we would have kind of like maybe lost attachment to what we theorized about in march exactly. we would have been like oh now we're watching a new movie let's see what happens right yeah. but we're theorizing weekly and a few days later we're watching the episode and we're kind of like you know just setting ourselves up for some yeah. serious slaps in the face exactly exactly one, one thing i did i actually got a chance to listen to uh matt shackman who's the director of wandavision he actually had an interview with Kevin Smith on his podcast called Fat Man Beyond, which is an incredible podcast. <laughs> but also he said a few different points. One is that there were originally going to be 10 episodes of the show. Senor Scratchy was going to be a demon and there was going to be a whole subplot of Monica and the kids trying to steal the Darkhold. And also apparently some of the CGI in the finale was off because of, because of the pandemic. And some of the sequences actually got cut because the VFX never got completed in time. Wow. So it's almost like uh, it, it feels like they might have rushed certain points it didn't feel like that for me but like after hearing that it feels like it, maybe they did rush certain as, as, like ideas that they didn't get to pay off how they really wanted to well listen at the end of the day like no one is safe from how COVID has impacted them whether mm. it's an industry or a film or a project or whatever the case may be um, i've got a feeling like at least the falcon and the winter soldier i've got I, I would assume won't be perhaps as you know special effects heavy as yeah. a show like wandavision they'll probably have more practical effects and things like that um, and then who knows, maybe, you know, they're working on post-production on Loki right now, which I would expect. 
to have tons of special tons effects. Tons of special right? effects. Yeah, that one is going to be a movie for six episodes. Yeah, it feels like. Yeah, um, but uh, uh, the last thing I'll say is there. Like you said, there's a few characters that we were kind of left with. Uh, we got Agatha with the hex. She's basically chilling there right now. She's definitely coming back. We got Jimmy Woo. We got Darcy. We got Hayward. Uh, Monica's heading up to Nick Fury. Who are you most excited to see again? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, I, I gotta say, I think it's Agatha, man. I really enjoyed Catherine Hahn's performance. Um, I think it's been a, by far the best introduction of a brand new villain thus far. Again, mm. we don't know who the other villains are going to be as, as of right now for the rest of Phase 4. But Agatha Harkness has been fantastic. And I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, her battle with A, the Scarlet Witch again, but also just to see if, she, if she's able to play some more mind games and, and really fuck shit up for a lot of other people. Because that's what I want in a villainous character like a witch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. I'm actually, a part of me is really curious to see what they do with Hayward because he can't be finished. Right. Right. And like he was so sinister sometimes that yeah. like it was presented as so sinister that I need to know why he was doing that on one side. On the other side, as part of me is starting to think like the perception that we have of Wanda, it, it, it was like she's doing these villainous activities but we still like, view her in a light, like in a good way. But with Hayward, it's almost the exact opposite where he's actually trying, like in his perception, he's trying to help the world. He's trying to stop this monster. And we're all hoping he doesn't get the chance to do that. Yeah. So I wonder if the idea is down the line, we're going to flip it, where we're going to end up really liking Hayward or maybe he is a good guy in the end. And maybe that's what happens with Wanda being a bad character. Who knows? I mean, the guy literally with a gun was taking shots at kids, for Ma God's sake. Imaginary kids. Listen, you don't know what they are, or what, if they're real or not. And we saw them scream at the end. Maybe they exist. And it doesn't matter. Conditional. The Even Vision said he was a conditional Vision. Just so the they're conditional children. He conditionally shot these conditional children. The visual of a grown-ass man <laughs> taking a... a a handgun yeah. and attempting to shoot kids is not a good look right it was now. definitely tough, it was definitely <laughs> tough. yeah um, but let's go into best character who was the best character from this episode from this episode I'm gonna say Wanda yeah I gotta yeah. agree she yeah. just absolutely smashed it yeah uh, honestly I think Agatha and Wanda both killed it as did Vision yeah but like ultimately for me this finale was all about Wanda as she becomes kind of like the Scarlet Witch mm -hmm. And starts to understand kind of the the extent of her powers. So yeah, that was an easy one. That scene, man, it's the end, isn't it? It's like you know when she's kind of like closing the hex and she's saying goodbye to her kids. Yeah, she's kind of you know saying goodbye to Vision. Um, man, Elizabeth Olsen just absolutely smashed it, man. And I feel like looking back, I think all those scenes where she had to kind of go back and revisit her past. She, we had those scenes with Vision. Those have been the most meaningful, most impactful moments of the show. And I feel like what Elizabeth Olsen has done with her performance as Wanda slash the Scarlet Witch, it's, it's lay up so much groundwork for what is to come down the road mm -hmm. in terms of her character development. It's been fantastic. I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, you know what? For me, for best scene, I, I, I did really like what Wanda did. And I think she was the MVP of this episode. But I actually am going to go with Vision versus Vision. I am Vision. That whole sequence of even like the fight, but also the conversation, the dialogue that they had, that was my favorite part of it. It brought so much weight and emotionality to it in a different way than what we've got with Wanda and her grief. It was, it was almost like it made me sit down and start thinking about what the ramifications were of this hex. What's going to happen after the fact. It got me almost more excited than a lot of like 
big reveals did. Right. What about in terms of a star rating? Again, just this episode. Yep. If you had to give five the greatest episode you've ever seen, zero is the worst episode you've ever seen. Where is this one landing? Uh, 4.25. Okay. And I think that's the highest I've given uh, to any episode all season. I'll say this much. No episode hit a five for me no. this season. And so I've, I think they got close to some really like you know outstanding all-time great episodes. Yeah. Um, but listen, I think generally speaking, I haven't really drifted anything below like a three and a half. Yeah. This has been a really solid show. And I think we spoke about it last week where perhaps this is, this is more comparable to the first season of The Mandalorian. Yeah, right? exactly. And I think a lot of lessons learned for Disney, for Marvel, um, not just both in the execution of a show like this, but also the, re- the reception it got from the fans and the critics and, and things of that nature. But yeah, I thought this was a great season finale. I thought it was a great episode. I enjoyed it more than I, when I actually sat on it and I watched it in a second and a third time. And now the clear mind, I can say, yeah, 4.25. I think it was a fantastic episode. I think they paid off a lot of stuff. There were certain things that did feel a little bit flat to me. So I still, a lot of the times I've been going, especially the second half of the season, I've been going 4.25. I think I ended up with a four for this episode. I think it's still reasonable. Still a great episode. Just to wrap up the entire series now, do you have any other like overall impressions, just conclusions about just the series in general? I think overall impressions, I mean, the show got better and better. I felt... Um, as we started to move away from the sitcom homages mm-hmm. to more MCU movie level stuff where we got more character development and kind of the plot started to move you know forward at a more stronger pace so for me looking back like it was yeah watching these kind of sitcoms with the laugh track and you know paying homage to the 40s and the 50s 60s 70s greater decade that was fun yeah. but the show for me really picked up when we start to get to the meat and bones of what they're trying to do in terms of moving forward and you know presenting these characters into phase four and so that for me like i said the show kind of built up as a crescendo and i felt like that's a that's a that's a good way to think back at what one division was because you never want to peak too early and then be completely flat and disappointed at the end so the fact that it got better and better and better as the show went on even though the very final episode didn't hit the, the high mark I was expecting, I still can't fault it for that. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I feel like at the, f- the very first thing that we said about the show was it was such a big swing for Marvel. And, and that's what it felt like for this entire series. It was just such a huge swing. And I think it ended up being a huge success. Obviously, financially, ended up being one of the biggest shows of the entire year. And I think right now it's the biggest show that basically happened in Q1. And at this point, it was a very fun project. It really let Marvel kind of explore like new, unique avenues of storytelling. And I think in terms of phase four, this is the kind of stuff we got to see. If you really want to keep this train going, then we got to try different stuff and make sure it's stuff that works. That's why I'm really interested to see how Falcon and Winter Soldier goes, because that really has to almost lean into like stuff that we're really familiar with, the Captain America stuff where it's not that out there. So uh, I'm really curious to see how they're going to execute that and see how they make it unique as opposed to like this and Loki, which have such out there concepts that it's almost easier to do that. And Loki and WandaVision both have gimmicks. The gimmick with WandaVision is, oh, we're going to be paying homage to all the sitcoms of the last like 70, 80 years and we're going to see that play out through every single episode. And Loki gets to time travel. Loki's got time travel. He can do whatever he wants. Falcon and Winter Soldier, I guess, is literally, we are, what, weeks removed uh, in terms of a, a time setting from the end of Avengers Endgame. And it's like, what happens next with these two characters? Yeah. And it's in the real world. And honestly, I'm actually all for that. And I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, 
whether they have any involvement with Sword yeah. and any of these other characters and, and who else is introduced. Again, these shows, like I spoke about earlier on, I'm, I'm, I'm now thinking, again, to change my expectations, you know, because the movies are the real big ones, right? That's, mm-hmm. that's your pay-per-view, right? Yeah. And these are episodes of Raw and SmackDown yeah, and like exactly, an AW exactly. Dynamite and things like that, right? Yeah. Where it's like, all right, you're going to get some character development, some, we're going to move the plot forward, we're going to introduce some new villains and things like that. And look, and listen, Characters like Sam and, you know, Bucky, uh, Bucky they're not going to get that much of a big shine and big, you know, half hour, 45 minute developments in a movie. It's a show that's going to do that yeah, for them. Yeah, they get six hours dedicated basically to them and introducing new characters. But as far as WandaVision goes, um, I think the big thing is that everybody thought they were going to get every answer in the universe to end this series. But, you know, that might be asking too much, like you said. I think this series delivered the goods. It's the first project to come out of Marvel Phase 4. I'm so excited to see where they go, what they're going to do in the future. In terms of long-term and longer-form stories, I think this was a massive win. And I think it's going to, like with patience, it's going to have an incredible payoff down the line. Yeah, I agree. Let's talk about what were the most ridiculous theories or like just things you heard surrounding WandaVision. In retrospect, there's so many things that we also perpetuated. Yeah. Just to be like, wow, like this is what we think is going to happen. Okay, so I think the biggest... A most ridiculous theory that in hindsight was so off was that this was going to follow the House of M storyline to a T mm. and that she was going to be what creates the X-Men on a global scale. We I did not get that whatsoever. A part of me still, like, I hate doing this because I'm basically just contributing <laughs> it again, but I'm basically, I, a part of me does think that we're still going to get that thing. Like, we're still going to get that House of M reverse payoff. But if I, we do down the road, I it doesn't happen way down the road. Right. I think, like, they haven't even announced any sort of like more X Men movies, yeah. right? So like, why would they even introduce? Let's, let's say they introduce Marvel uh, mutants and X Men right now, right? How, they're gonna have no payoff for that for the next four years, right? Like they've already laid out every movie, yeah. So I, I also thought that was a little ridiculous in the first place. I think we're gonna end up getting a payoff way down the line. For me, the the biggest and and most annoying thing we I really contributed to was Mephisto. <laughs> it, it hurts me to like really talk about it. Because that one was something I was banking on. I was 100% sure that was going to happen. And who knows if we'll ever see Mephisto. I feel like whenever they do like have an idea that they're like kind of teasing, that means way down the line they're going to probably bring it back at some point. I think at some point we will see Mephisto. On a side note, the theories that fans had about Magneto were the most ridiculous. <laughs> they made no sense. And all of a sudden everybody just wanted to add this World War II uh, backstory character to a modern sitcom weirdo universe that they've created in this one division. Yeah, I think that one never made any sense. After especially the reception of the finale, like we talked about this a little bit, but do you think that it would have been better if they had dropped the entire series at once? Not from a financial standpoint. I get obviously for Disney, they're trying to keep subscribers, they're trying to do all that. But if they had just dropped the entire series, do you think the fan reception would have been better? That's an interesting question. I'll tell you this much, I'm envious of anyone that was able to wait and and watch WandaVision in in one sitting. Like you turn your phone off, you put it away, you get some good takeaway, you get comfortable on the couch and and you just have like five hours of brand new MCU content that you can watch in just one sitting. Yeah. And this is a difference, right? Because Netflix does these kind of drops, right? They'll they'll have a limited series or a show Mm -hmm. and then boom, here you go. Like... Um, the the latest season of uh, Cobra Kai, which dropped, I think it was January first, they yeah. dropped it. Uh, boom! Here you go. Here's like eight new episodes. Enjoy yourself. 
unfortunately that is just not the world we are ever going to live in with regards to Disney and, and the MCU because of the financial aspect of I, Disney+. Plus. I think they, they've proven that like they're more of a part of pop culture by doing these weekly drops. Yeah. The fact that people do get a chance to speculate and sit and talk about these episodes... The news cycle is forever. It's crazy. Every week, you, you know you're going to be talking about WandaVision. A couple months ago, it was Mandalorian. It was these weekly drops, they work. I'll tell you what I enjoyed almost a year ago. When um, we were going through the pandemic initially, everybody was really looking forward to The Last Dance. Exactly. The Michael, yep. jo- Michael Jordan documentary. Yep. And I think one thing that helped the drop for The Last Dance is we were getting two episodes every week over, I think, a four or five week period. Yeah. So it wasn't just the one episode. So you knew you, you had two hours of good content, which is like a good digestible amount of content, enough to talk about and discuss in its own right before getting excited about the next one. I, the I, I was excited like every week for that. And like I know that, like especially The Last Dance, I thought that was the perfect format for that. For this, it might be more beneficial to binge the entire thing. I think as a fan, you'll enjoy that yeah. a little bit more. I say, I say this much as well. I think some of the episodes felt like, oh, that's a bit short. I wish I could have got more. And maybe they could have done, like the very first two episodes are dropped back to back, right? Could they have perhaps dropped, I don't know, um, four episodes, but each episode was like an hour, you know, yeah. could would we have been able to digest more information and and be and have it more of an enjoyable experience that way? Maybe, maybe not. I'm not too sure. But I, like I said, I'm envious. I'm jealous. We do this podcast. Obviously, you know, we were banking on One Division to give us that weekly content to talk about and review and whatnot, which has been fantastic. I'm not hating on that whatsoever. I'm just jealous of anyone that's like, you know what, I'm just going to wait for the entire show to drop and I'm going to enjoy my Sunday. And if they've been able to avoid all the spoilers on social media, God bless them. On the other side too, like this is obviously the first offering after Endgame. So I think the expectations were just so high. Marvel's basically like a victim of its own success. Yeah. It's just a situation where I I don't think, regardless of what they were going to do, this was going to be a tough sell, no matter what. Um, What are you looking forward to most in terms of characters, either in WandaVision or Marvel overall? Wanda, via the conclusion of the show, has become arguably the most powerful mutant we've seen in the MCU. Mm -hmm. And we know now she is a mutant. You know, that was a a major development of her character Mm -hmm. um, from the show. Um, And, you know... Does she, you know, is she going to have a major impact on things moving forward? Which I'm expecting she will, and she does. So I'm hyped about that to see what kind of role she plays, especially in uh, the multiverse of madness. That's something that we're not going to get until March of 2022. So we're pretty much a year or so away from that drop, which is incredible to think that we won't see the next, you know, step of the One Division character for an entire year until that movie if drops. That. If that, yeah. Um, and I'm really curious to see how the Monica Rambeau character develops and pays off in uh, in Captain Marvel 2. I'm most excited to see how they really do play off mutants. And to my mutant brothers and sisters out there, I say this, no more hiding, no more suffering. Now that they've introduced the idea of mutants at the like for this phase, I think they're slowly going to be adding and dropping that as time goes on. and. I think that's the thing I'm most excited about because this phase is going to be laying all the groundwork down for mutants in the future. Uh, We're looking at the overall series now. Who is the best character overall series? Easily is Wanda. Um, This is all about her. This whole story has been about her becoming the Scarlet Witch. We got so much information regarding her past, but we got so much with regards to how she was mourning Vision, mourning the events of 
um, Avengers Endgame and I think Elizabeth Olsen just absolutely nailed her performance consistently throughout the entire show. I don't think it was that easy, to be honest, because I think Wanda and Vision really put up great arguments. And when I actually think back at it, I love everything Wanda did, and I think she did so many amazing things. But a part of me does look back and think, oh, what were my favorite parts of the show? And most of it is Vision. When we're talking about, like, best quotes, best fight scenes, uh, like, some of the funniest moments, there a lot of them are Vision. Having said that, I'm still going with Wanda. Because she still did run the show, and just in terms of range from the different sitcoms and the different eras, to see what Elizabeth Olsen was able to produce from basically just being like that that housewife in the first episode to where she is now in the modern world, it was just such a tremendous uh, journey that we went through with her. Uh, In terms of a series, again, star rating, we're going out of five, the best series you've ever seen, that's a five, the worst is zero. Where does this one land? I've landed on a four. Four out of five overall. Very much, like I said before, it's very much like Mandalorian season one. I think Marvel and Disney would have learned a lot from what the fans liked, what the fans didn't like from this season. This was their first major MCU TV show um, using, you know, the well-known characters, not like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. This is big boy stuff here. And I think although Loki and Falcon and the Winter Soldier are already locked in, I am excited to see how they develop future shows, how they market these future shows, how many episodes do we get, how they are produced, how long are they, um, how they perhaps introduce and develop lesser-known characters and, and how they tie them into the movies, especially with regards to cliffhangers and post-credit scenes, and also how much fan service they give. Mm-hmm. I think, generally speaking, like I said before at the beginning of the, of the episode today, this show ultimately is the best case study that Disney and Marvel can go away and have a, a post-show brief to discuss how they're going to develop and produce and market and roll out future shows. Because Loki and Falcon and Winter Soldier, they're locked in. They are what they are. But for the future, we know we're going to get more shows like this because yeah. it's a big hit for Disney+. Plus. But how they roll out, how, they, how they're produced, I'm excited for that. I am excited about that too. Um, in terms of a score, I'm, I feel like for most of this series, I ended up giving it like four and a quarter. So I think that's really how, that's where I end up landing for the entire series. Uh, but that's the series wrap-up for WandaVision, maybe ever, where we're never going to see this show ever again. And now these characters are just going to be part of Multiverse of Madness and maybe whatever Avengers movies come out of that. So we'll see where this does end up going. But uh, let's go into the news items of the week because there's only a few real big news stories that did come out of this week. Uh, One is still Marvel-related that I wanted to talk about, and it was the X-Men reboot is reportedly being developed under the title The Mutants. What are your thoughts on that? Cool, let's do it. I'm down. Let's get these mutants involved ASAP. I'm so down for that, man. The big thing that I really take away from just that title is the fact that at this point, like, number one, I love it, right? Because it's almost like a rebranding. And we can still have the mutants that we want, but now they don't have to be in that context of just X-Men. Yeah. Right? In this iteration, the mutants really only have to make sense in this MCU context. It's better to, in in my eyes, it's better to adapt the stories that we're familiar with with the world that we've already built instead of retconning and doing all this other nonsense just to change the MCU to fit the X-Men. Yep. Right? I think this is the best avenue to go down. Uh, and I'm so excited what they do with these mutants. The fact that they can even use the word mutants is like, finally. Yeah, it's just like, know. let's just move on. Like, it, it's crazy how in the world of like legality and IP and who owns what, 
you know, we haven't had that word used properly as it should be in the MCU. And it's like, now it's like, it's, it's like game on, man. Uh, the next was a hilarious incident from Monday where the Justice League movie accidentally released on HBO Max. People went on their HBO Max, clicked Tom and Jerry, and Justice League started playing. The Snyder Cut. What another flub in the DCEU. <laughs> that is so wild. Can you imagine? And very on brand. If like, <laughs> yeah, can you imagine if you're like, you're sitting down to watch WandaVision episode eight and you get the finale instead? I know. <laughs> yeah, exactly, man. <laughs> We're about to get the Snyder Cut next week. And I, I am like a little bit excited, but a part of me is just like, let's just get this over with. Yeah. Because I, I want to know, how can I get excited for this? What do, you, what do you think we can do to get excited for Zack Snyder's Justice League? Well, the thing is, I almost don't want to get excited. Like, this whole thing has had a massive campaign on social media. That's how it all started. By the end of the original movie's release, everyone was like, oh, what was you know, Snyder's vision and Snyder's cut? And like, that's the whole hashtag, right? That's how the movement all began and started. And now we're going to get a version of the movie, you know, as originally intended by Zack Snyder. That's going to be over four hours long. I'm like, look, let's just go in with no expectations. Let's see what happens. We'll watch it. We'll talk about it. And then we'll see what it ultimately what it means moving forward. What I think, though, is this is just another way for HBO to kind of keep the momentum going with regards to HBO Max. Yeah. It's a brand new launch for them this year. They're only a few months old at the moment. They launched in December with Wonder, Wonder Woman 1984. And this is another part of their big you know, IP and properties that they own. So, like I said, I really am not even thinking about it too much. I just like, when it drops, it drops, we'll watch it, and then we'll see what it looks like. I'm not excited for this property, but I really want it to succeed. Sure. Like, I really love the idea of having the streaming service where you can fix mistakes that you've made in big franchises. Like, I would love for shows to be able to get, you know, the proper final season that they didn't have, or like basically create like an alternate universe where at the end of the day, fans are sophisticated enough if they're on HBO and, you know, they're big fans of like comic book series or whatever sci-fi series they're a fan of, I would love for them to have that option of being like, all right, this isn't the ending. I choose not to make this the ending. I'm going with this one instead. You just go with whatever one you like. I think it's fun to do that. And I would love to be able to, you know, have Game of Thrones get a proper finish, have Dexter get a proper finish, right? Like which we're going to get. So I'm excited to see how that's going to pay out. The uh, last thing I got, in petty news, we got Avatar is getting a surprise re-release in China. If the film grosses $7.4 million, it will pass Avengers Endgame and once again become the highest grossing <laughs> movie of all time. That's hilarious. In that, uh, I, in my head, it's just like, all right, cool, are we just going to keep re-releasing this thing while they just pass each other over and over? Yeah, that's Hollywood for you, man. Yeah, exactly. All right, so that's the news of the week. Jumla, let's get into Let's Get Wrecked, our weekly recommendation segment where we recommend a movie or TV show. What do you got for Sandy's pick this week? Okay, so this is one of those weeks where I'm not going to give you a recommendation where it's the best movie I've ever seen. It's an interesting movie that I watched this past weekend, and it's Unhinged, which was released in 2020, starring Russell Crowe. It's available on Netflix. It's about a confrontation with an unstable man at an intersection that a lady has and then she becomes a target of his rage. It sounds like Russell Crowe just got like caught in an intersection and they just made a movie about it. Basically. In real life. <laughs> this is a 90-minute movie, and the reason I'm recommending it and I want people to watch it is for two reasons. Number one, Russell Crowe is still pretty damn good as like a villain and an absolute piece of shit character. Yeah. And also, number two, I'm just 
wondering how the hell did Russell Crowe go from movies like The Gladiator and A Beautiful Mind to a movie that essentially is like a Netflix B-movie and got no fanfare. Like, I expect Russell Crowe, year on year, to be starring in movies that are going to be in the running for the Academy Awards and the Oscars. Yeah. And be he's the kind of actor that should be only working with some of the best directors in the game. So I want people to watch this movie. Again, it's not a big watch, not a long watch. It's 90 minutes long. And honestly, there's some parts that are pretty good and other parts you're like, what the hell am I watching right now? But that's why I'm recommending it because I'm like, what has happened to Russell Crowe? It's the nature of the beast too, right? At the end of the day, not like you can't stay on top forever. I, I, I am curious to see, because like what happened with Paul Bettany, these things come in waves. So if you're watching this movie and it's where you know Russell Crowe has his lull and then it's about to be the comeback... Hopefully this is where you can uh, get invested in that character again. Uh, so my recommendation for Broad's pick this week is Biggie, I Got a Story to Tell. It's a new Netflix documentary that just dropped. It's executive produced by Biggie's mom, uh, as well as Puff Daddy, P. Diddy, Sean Combs. Uh, I forget what his other name is. Love, I think it is. <laughs> um, so he's got a bunch of names. But it's actually really good. They got, like, basically one of Biggie's friends recorded a bunch of footage. Like, just all the time while they were touring in like basically a successful year so we get to see a lot of like where he came from just people who grew up in his neighborhood and just seeing how he grew into the notorious big as we know him now and it's really interesting as a big biggie fan and just to see how like that person who only really released two albums two official albums that is still regarded to this day as one of the greatest rappers that ever lived and it basically lives as like this iconic figure forever because he died so young at such a high point in his career. So it's really interesting to see and it's, it's like a fresh uh, viewing of the f- story that we're really familiar with and it's not like this somber thing where it's like, all right, well, let's talk about how he was great and let's talk about his death and how sad that was. It, it doesn't have to be that format every single time and this doesn't really fall into that same story that we're so used to already. Yeah, I saw it on my Netflix carousel and I haven't had a chance to watch it yet, but it is on my watch list. I'm really looking forward to it. It's definitely, it's definitely something to watch. So that's the show for this week. We've been talking about the Snyder Cut for the past couple of months now. Uh, at this point, we're really excited to be doing a episode. We're going to be dropping it on Thursday, the same day the Snyder Cut releases. We're going to be watching it and releasing it next week. So check that out. Get ready for that next week. Jumbo, where can everybody find us? We are at Screen Off Script on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can find us on Spotify and Apple. And if you are listening to us on the Apple podcast platform, do us a favor, rate and review us. It really goes a long way on helping the show and the brand get found on that particular platform. Awesome. Thank you for checking us out this week, guys. Take care.